Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of the Pictures Out There podcast series with Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman. The topic today is Fear and Love. It is part one of a two-part mini-series we call Fear and Love and How We Choose. Is fear actually the opposite of love? How do we move from fear to courage and from courage to love? How do we make that a habit, a pattern that we can use to make all of our choices and decisions? Let's explore. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thank you, Candy, for that kind introduction. This is Dave. And I'm Lee. Welcome back to the Pictures Out There podcast series. And our topic today is Fear and Love Part 1. It's part one of a two-part mini-series that we call Fear and Love and How We Choose. So let's first talk some about fear. I'm afraid to. Oh, let's jump in. Come on. Come on. And then let's talk about courage. Then talk some more about love. All right. Here we go. Fear certainly seems to be the engine Mm. for Mm -hmm. so many human problems and conflicts. Yes, it does. At every level. For individuals, within friend groups and families, within teams and organizations of every kind, conflict among nations, and for our globe of humanity as a whole. And at every one of these levels and situations, everyone, think about this. Hmm. Fear is what impedes our best judgment and impedes our critical thinking. Fear gets in the way of that. Fear makes us view the immediate situation and our short-term future with a cloudy and murky lens. We can't quite see through the mist. Fear completely blinds us to the long-term future, and it renders us incapable of imagining positive pictures for the future for us and for others. Yeah, Lee, being afraid uh, certainly does keep us from believing in really the greatest and most positive possibilities for life or any situation we're in. It keeps us from hoping with confidence. And it keeps us from creating a picture of what life could be, moving toward that picture with joy and a smile, with decisiveness and commitment and passion. So fear is a big force. And because of all of these considerations, we need to be wary of our fear, aware of our fear, and recognize when indeed we are afraid. We must not let fear win, not let fear make us short-sighted or blind to reality. We must look beyond our fear to imagine and act toward the world that can be. And we need to do that with courage. So we're talking about a picture here, if you have that in your mind, listeners, of going from fear to courage and then to love, with love being that ideal on which we are acting and making choices. So this connection between fear and courage has been long recognized by public figures. So here's a few quotes. The first one is from Rosa Parks. I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. From Winston Churchill, we have fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And we have from Nelson Mandela, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. So let's talk further about fear and courage. Here are some questions to consider. How do they interact individually? 
Well, Lee, I'll tell you, for me, there's all sorts of ways they interact. Anytime I'm doing something new or doing something that I don't feel confident in doing, I absolutely have a fear response mm-hmm. or trepidation or something that's, that's a pause moment for mm-hmm. me and questioning my ability to go do it or should I do it? Yes. And all of those things that come up, I have to go through that process to then identify you know, based on what I believe in ideal-wise, what I believe in in terms of the picture in my mind of what I want to have happen. Mm-hmm. I need to come up with the courage to go do it. Yeah. And stay true to my ideals of love and help and other things. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the next question. How do you think fear and courage interact in groups? Oh, well, I think we've all experienced this, right? We might be in a group of eight or 10 people and some of whom say, hey, let's go do this. And half the group goes, that sounds great. I'm on board. And the other half is going, yeah, I don't know. It's not maybe a clear picture. Yeah. I don't know why I might want to get involved with that because the picture is not clear. And if you don't have a clear picture, you know what that can result in? Fear. Yeah. A reluctance to move forward. Yeah. What what about when you're the outlier? Oh, right. yeah, that's even better. And you have the group think, oh, this would be a great idea to all go do this. And you're going, no. no. And then peer pressure occurs. And sometimes yeah. we find ourselves going along in the absence of a clear picture. Yeah. And yeah, that's a fear moment. Yeah. And you may know that you're consciously making a choice that goes against your ideals Absolutely. and what you actually believe in. Right. And that tends to stick with you. Yeah. And it may not be conscious, but you feel it in your gut. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do fear and courage interact in a society? And this, I think we're saying, you know, there's, you see fear and courage displayed in public life all the time and things that you see happening uh, on, when you're on the street, you know, just every day you'll see people making assessments of what they want to do or should do in the context of power systems or how people may respond to that. And you can see fear very much on public display. Mm -hmm. And you can see courage on public display where you can see people going, no, this is what needs to happen. I'm going to overcome that. And so I think those end up being lots of times, those are role models for us, right? It's why we quote people like a Rosa Parks or a Nelson Mandela. You see these acts played very publicly. Yes. And you see somebody that in the face of, of some awful things that have happened to mm-hmm. them or could happen to them, having the courage mm-hmm. and overcoming their fear. Right. Those become role models for us. Absolutely. Let's talk further about fear and courage. Does fear, you suppose, does it always come before courage? In other words, can you just take a courageous act or does it need to be preceded by some fear? I think if you're doing something that is, this is my bias, right? I think if you're doing something that is new or that you don't have confidence in, it's what I would describe, it's certainly what I experience is an element of fear. Yes. And so it, people might use different words for that. I'll, yeah. I'll call it fear. Yes. And, and so there is something where if it's a situation where it's like, now nah, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. I've already made choices, as we've talked about in other podcasts. Well, lots of times that's when you may miss something. That's its own problem. But you may not have any fear right. about it. Right. You're confident. You go do it and, and so forth. And there's not necessarily a lot of courage in that. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So does fear exist during courageous acts? Again, this is probably a matter of degree, right? If I'm doing something that's literally life-threatening... That's a different category, right? But if I'm just taking an act, learning something new, doing something that I've not done previously, I think as I'm bolstering the courage to go do it, 
fear is walking beside me. Don't we sometimes, Lee, have a reaction where we go, well, this might happen. I'm kind of afraid of that possibility yes. happening. And sometimes we almost get courage by going, well, maybe it won't. Maybe my fear is unjustified when I go and start this. You know, the, the thing I'm imagining that may be a bad thing won't happen. And sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that bad thing does happen. Right. And in the middle of that, don't we sometimes have a reaction of, oh, oh. <laughs> I was hoping, I was afraid of this. I was hoping it might not happen. It's happening. It's happened. And sometimes at that moment, we have to kind of redefine our, the level of courage we're going to have. Yeah. And we may choose to back off from what we're doing because that fear becomes much more real to us yes. in the middle of doing it. So you just said something that I'd like to key in on. How many times do we say, I was afraid that was going to happen? Yeah. And we just use that as a phrase. And there's probably not a lot of capital F-E-A-R in that. Right. But listen and pay attention to your word choices. I was afraid that was going to be a happen. Yeah. That betrays that beneath, underneath at a subconscious level, we had some anxiety or trepidation or reluctance that if I take this step forward, something bad's going to happen. And we talk about it by saying, I was afraid that was going to happen. And then what happens in reaction to that, I was afraid something was going to happen, that reconfirms to us, oh, I should have listened I should to have. my fear. Yeah. Now what happens the next time or two mm -hmm. that something comes up and you have maybe a different situation and you have the fear message, oh, I need to listen. I need to listen to this fear. Over time, the accumulation of fear being justified mm -hmm as we're calling it here, mm -hmm. can really make us pull off of, from our ideals and our pictures and really what we want our life to be. Yes. And then later on in our life, we may go, why didn't I live my pictures? Why didn't I live my ideals? Right. Well, sometimes it's this ongoing accumulated impact of the little fear incidents, the mm -hmm. little fear events we have, right? What makes someone courageous enough to still act even when they are afraid, the Rosa Parks of the world, the Nelson Mandela's of the world, how do you do that? How do you go ahead and take that step of courage? I really think in the language of these podcasts, Lee, and what we're doing, I would say it's you stay true to your pictures. Mm -hmm. You stay true to your view of what the future should be. Yes. You stay true to your ideals. And you can sit there and go, oh my gosh, look what I'm getting set to do. I'm afraid of that, but I have to stay true to what I believe in. Yeah. I have to stay true into the future that I believe in. And that allows you then to summon up the courage to go act or to speak, even when you have that fear operating. And again, looping all the way back to these quotes, the common thing here is people saying it not, you know, it's not to, the point of courage isn't to get rid of the fear completely. No. It's to act. Right. And right. so ideals and pictures help make that happen. So we've talked about fear. We've talked about courage. And now you're going to talk about love. Yeah. So what about love? Is love more meaningful as a verb or as a noun? Is it in its truest and most real sense really a verb? And do we dilute real love or loving when we use it as a noun in all sorts of maybe less meaningful terms? I think what we're describing here, certainly in the context of fear and courage, is we're describing love as a verb. It's active. It's, the th it's something that you're going and doing, and you're doing it in, in a loving way. You are loving. Right. And so we would say, thinking of it as a verb in this notion of going from fear and then via courage to love or whatever your ideals, we would say that's the most meaningful way to think of it. Mm -hmm. People will say, Lee, the phrase, you know, love is work. Mm -hmm. They may say it in the context of committed relationships. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, 
why do these relationships go well or why don't they? And sometimes people will say, well, we work at it. Yes. We work at it. Yes. That's, a, that's love as a verb. Love the verb, loving. We think that's always real. Mm-hmm. It's real in any setting, circumstance, or form of existence, no matter the outcome. If we love, that can never, ever be taken away from us. Yeah, we believe that we each need to be working for something good. And if we're just working against something bad, we won't usually make positive, permanent changes. When we love the verb, we're always working for something and for something good. We would say that it is more helpful to think of fear as a restraint to love and loving than to think about hate Mm. as the opposite of love or as the restraint. So let's pause there for just a moment. We tend to have binary thinking, right? What's the opposite of love? Hate. But we think that all hate is born of fear. I hate something because deep down inside, I actually fear it. So for our purposes, we think that love and fear are opposites of one another. Just a different way to think about it. So to just say that we don't hate, that can let us off the hook too easily. Love is not just the absence of hate. Love is a verb, an active verb, as we've said. Love is loving actively. So love is always there. It's available for us if we can overcome our fears and create the courage to go act in a fully loving way. In all of its infinite forms, love's constantly available to us, Mm -hmm. though the form it takes does change and evolve. Love's available to us as a potential action we can take. It's there every second, every moment riding alongside each of us through our never-ending journey of change that we call life. So as we've said, we would say it's a lot more fruitful to think of a fear-to-love spectrum or even a fear-to-courage-to-love spectrum Mm -hmm. than to think of a love-hate spectrum. Lee, it kind of makes me think of all of those things as a process toward action. Yes. And what is that action going to be as opposed to this emotion thing Mm -hmm. that's just... uh, Hate, love. It's, it's about what we're acting toward, what we're speaking toward. Something that really jumped out of me here is the notion that love is always riding alongside us. Love is always available. It's, always it's there. right there. We don't have to go seek it out. It's walking side by side with us through this existence. It's a natural thing, as you're saying, that we have with us. And fear comes up as this roadblock. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like kind of getting past that roadblock with courage to just maintain the momentum of something we already have, Yeah. to your point. Yes. So here's another thought about love. There are both joy and pain elements within love. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Really? Think about it. Neil Young, the great songwriter, once wrote a song that said, only love can break your heart, indicating that it's both joyful and painful. Both. It has to have both joy and pain? While the idea of love only being about joy certainly is an attractive one, right? Uh Yes. It is not real or true. Over time, love almost always has elements of both joy and pain. Ah, so I can't get to the joy of love without experiencing some of the pain of love. Dang it. Dang it. Darn. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice just to go to the joy if you, if you could do that, yeah. if it really worked that way, but it just doesn't. So there is a joy to pain spectrum that is contained within love, within the life experience of love. So when we're tempted to be afraid and have our actions controlled by our fear, we can instead choose courage and then we can act with love. So there's that fear to courage to love 
spectrum again. Mm -hmm. Then let's repeat that same cycle every time. That actually can be our choice every single time. Hang on just a second. That seems really simple. Yes, it is simple. So what you're saying is every time I have clarity in my mind about my pictures, Mm -hmm. where I want things to go, I have clarity about my ideals, ideals, how I make my choices. So every time something comes up, a choice, there may be this element of fear happen mm-hmm. that happens. That's natural. And I can just overcome that by staying true to my pictures and ideals, summoning up the courage, and going and choosing and living and acting on the basis of those pictures and ideals. Perfectly said. That's amazingly simple. It's very, very simple. Is that okay that it's, it's okay. that simple? In fact, it's desirable that it's that simple, <laughs> right? So when you're confronted by a fear situation, you have a choice to make. Close your eyes. Mm-hmm. See your picture clearly, see your picture vividly, mm-hmm. revisit your ideals in your mind, your core values, you know what they are, and then act according to those. I think part of what Lee and I would really suggest is that pattern. And I think a lot of you all as listeners may do this by habit, what I'm going to describe, or frequently do it by habit. Uh, but we would suggest it 100% of the time. Getting in that pattern and that habit becomes instinct. And you do it without thinking. Your mind and heart process that instantly. And it just really makes everything better, but it simplifies everything. Very simple. Which is terrific. So let's close out this section with a quotation from John McCain, longtime senator from the state of Arizona, one-time presidential nominee. He said, We were born to love, and we were born to have the courage for it. The rest is easy. Oh, okay. So we're at that time here where we talk to future audience. Hello, future. Hey, guys. How are you all doing? Hope everything is going great. We think it is. We think you're in a beautiful place here in the future. So let's talk about what you all have done in the future to maximize courage and minimize fear, or maybe better said, get past those fear hurdles that inevitably come up to where courage is a habit, and then that moves on to love and other ideals. So we're going to speculate about what we think you all have done. We think that you all have been very proactive. Lots of times Lee and I will go to learning Mm -hmm. and things that we do Mm -hmm. with our children and youth that we put into place. And we think that there is a way to teach about how to act while still being afraid. Yeah. And there are examples out there already. Think about a small child, a young child who's learning to swim for the first time. Most children are afraid to dive into that water the first time, but... There's a parent, a teacher, a coach, someone saying, no, you can do it. And generally, once the child does it, man, the rest is good. They just had to overcome that initial fear barrier. I love it. Yeah. There's another example, again, from kind of the world of sports or recreation. Think about gymnasts. Think about young men and women who are vaulting off equipment and standing on their tiptoes on the balance beam and stuff like that. How do you learn to do that? You fall about 5,000 times. And the first time you fall, it hurts, it's painful, and it causes fear. So how do you get back up there and try it again? And and doesn't the learning in both of those situations happen in steps? I mean, I'll go back to your swimming example. Yes. And we even have the phrase, dipping your toe in the water. And then you talk about learning to float. There's steps that are about a skill Mm -hmm. that you're creating. And alongside that, that skill learning is the overcoming the fear. Yeah. And those are twin messages, twin things that are happening while somebody is learning to swim. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great example. So we think that you all by habit 
with all sorts of situations, teach how to recognize that you've come into a situation where you're afraid, how to turn that into courage, how to think of your pictures and your ideals, and go act. Yes. And go speak. Yep. We think in addition to that, that you all, as part of that teaching and learning, you do role-playing. Mm-hmm. You just, you call it out. You call these situations out. Yeah. And you can, it's a safe environment in which to learn these things, right? You can use storytelling as a very, very effective technique to say, well, there was a person who overcame this thing. Here's how they did it. That's a story and people will resonate with that. And even our own storytelling becomes so important because Lee and I talked about that deal of, I thought that was going to happen. I was afraid Afraid that that was was going to happen. happen. And how when new experiences come up that you have a fear response. Yes. Storytelling about overcoming fears is very, very very powerful powerful at working against that and actually instituting instead of the, I remember when I was afraid something was going to happen and it did, instead saying, I remember when I was afraid something was going to happen and I overcame it. Right. And I, I did it. I was successful. Yeah. And that storytelling then, again, causes us to have instant courage responses yes. when fear comes up. And then we go ahead and act on our pictures and ideals. Yeah. Again, a virtuous cycle. I remember a time when I was afraid and I overcame it. Yep. So we like to close always by asking these four questions of you, dear listeners. What are your pictures? What are your perspectives? What are your ideals and what is your influence to use? Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures. Pictures.